Blog Talk Radio. of the Mystical Matchmaker Podcast. I'm your host, Marla Martinson, matchmaker, life coach, author, tarot reader, energy healer, Gemini. (laughs) I do all the things. So welcome. If you're just joining me for the first time, I'm so happy to have you. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. I have been gone at least a month, maybe a month and a half. I was doing some traveling. I went on an amazing retreat in Mount Shasta. What a magical place. And then I went down to Los Angeles for a little bit. And then I went back up to drove up the coast back up to Mount Shasta. I had to spend some more time there. And um, just been doing a lot of healing work for myself, a lot of introspection, a lot of shadow work and all of that, which is so important. You know, the summer, I always like the summertime to do that. It's like it's hot. It's like we're burning off old patterns and really doing our own work. We're getting outside, getting into nature, moving the body. And so today I want to talk about something very important. And I have my special guest back, Martha Bodyfelt, who is a divorce coach. Um, let me tell you just a little bit about her. She is a certified divorce recovery coach, mentor, and wing woman for independent women who want to get unstuck so that they can trust themselves, have fun, and find love again. And get you through, she can also get you through that tough time, the divorce, when you're, when you're in so much pain and, and crying and don't know what to do and want to, um, someone to help you not to reach out to, to if you need to go no contact or just walk you through things or talk to. Um, she has been an expert contributor to the Huffington Post, the Elephant Journal, Psychology Today, Thrive Global, and her advice has impacted over 10 million women divorced and getting divorced. And so I've noticed, uh, you know, with there's so many changes going on on planet Earth. And within this COVID era, there was a lot of breakups, a lot of uh, divorces, a lot of uh, confusion, a lot of shake-ups, just a whole shake-ups in people's lives and what losing jobs and friends and relationships and then gaining new ones and finding out what we really want and, and do we really want to spend another 5, 10, 15, 20 years with someone who is not making us happy, who's possibly making us sick um, just because we've been with the person so long and it feels, it feels um, safe. It feels comfortable. Often the trauma that we experience, the, um, even the pain, the crying, the frustration, we're used to it. It, it, it kind of changes our brain chemistry and it, it, it's, um, it develops, we develop these energy strands and trauma bonds and, and we just think that that's where we have to be even though it's uncomfortable. It's almost like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. It's like, well, what, what am I going to do? Am, am I going to have that courage to step out and uh, live my life uh, in the way that I want to live without being ah, 
without arguing, being abused or verbally abused or whatever it is, the stress. Um, so we're going to talk about about narcissistic uh, relationships, that kind of um, aspect, and uh, some other things. So I'm going to bring Martha in right now. Hey, Martha. Yes, hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi, everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, everybody. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for that, for that warm welcome and introduction. And I'm really happy to be back on your show, Marla, and uh, talk it out with you and your listeners. That's right. Yes. It's something so important. And now we're coming into the holidays, the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's the time that we often think about, okay, well, who am I going to spend the ho- – well, for one thing, it's very tough, me going through, through um, uh, my issue, my, my breakup mm-hmm. and everything. The first Christmas was, uh, Christmas was horrible. I spent the whole Christmas yeah. crying and, wor- you know, it was just awful. And now with uh, yeah. the holidays coming up again, um, I'm already dreading. I, I don't know how I'm going to have a, have a happy holidays again. So this is, I think, a great time to have you on because we're coming into that, Those, the family time, the cooking, the gifts, the, that warmth. And then if, you're, if you've broken up, if you are thinking of getting a divorce or what. And also what I want to bring up is a lot of people will put it off because of the holidays and it's something they've got to sure. do. Sure. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Have you had to help women through that, the holiday thing? Um, and and what, how it, it, impactful, yeah, and how dangerous it can be just to keep putting it off and put it in off if you're in in a bad situation. Right, absolutely. So I've had a little bit of an evolution with my kind of the services that I offer. Definitely still helping women who are contemplating divorce or going through divorce, as well as women who are recovering from divorce, as well as women who are looking to date again. And what I have seen is there are unique hardships for each stage of that divorce. And definitely I've seen strong, independent women who still want to stay within that marriage, especially during the holidays, especially if they have children at home because they don't want mm-hmm. that type of trauma or that kind of pain or things along the lines of that affecting their children. There's also a lot of shame. They don't want to, an unnecessary shame, unfortunately. There's a lot of unnecessary shame. They don't want to share it with their other family members. They don't want to share it with their friends because we as women, we're people pleaders. And we don't want to be like mm-hmm. the wet blank, blanket during a time when everybody's supposed to be, everybody's supposed to be happy. And so it is no mistake and it is no coincidence instance that the highest divorce rates are actually within the January time frame. And to that type of advice for the for the listeners who are dealing with that coming into the holidays that I know my marriage is on the rocks. I know that this relationship is no longer sustainable. What I say is you wouldn't walk on a broken leg or a sprained ankle because you would continue to hurt yourself. Staying in a relationship, in a marriage during the holidays, just to keep up appearances is only going to further your trauma and is only going to make it worse for you and your recovery and your mental state if you drag that out. And so my advice to the listeners is that as painful as it is, if you air it and you rip the Band-Aid off so you can start your healing and you can start your logistics and things along the lines of that, the better off you will be because the sooner you can start your healing, the sooner you start your healing. 
And that is the advice yeah. I like to give the women and, who are still in a relationship around the holidays, and they know that relationship is no longer serving them. Yeah, and 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 um, and what about what about when people? So you, you're going through, and many women have been with a man, I, a man for many years. I mean, I've read about. Sure. comments on different um, YouTube stuff that like, oh, women will say 38 years and I just left or 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. 20, 30. And that's got to be um, really tough. But people will say, oh, you should be over it by now. You shouldn't still be crying. Mm-hmm. You should, you got to, you know, get your emotions under control is something I've heard. And, and what I yeah. found is, can you talk a little bit about how, the emotions get trapped in the body because for me, like doing hot yoga, doing as much exercise, moving it out, because you can think and think and think and drive yourself insane, but I find that it even helps with the health of the body not to develop a disease or something from this, working the emotions out of the body, and it could take a while. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that when you are – making this what is one of the most stressful decisions of your life is to make the decision to end Mm -hmm. your marriage or to end your long-term relationship what is going to happen is Mm -hmm. if you continue to kind of sit in that and are kind of in a denial that things are going to work the mind and the body are an amazing thing that if you know that you need to leave and you are denying that the physical manifestation of that stress is going to come knocking on the door and i know for me one of the things when i was going through my own divorce is I had these horrible migraines that I just could not get rid of for two years that coincided with the time that my ex-husband and I, we were married at the time, were having issues. And the doctor just, you know, I was doing the head scans, I was doing the CAT scans, I was going to a neurologist, and they said, what, we don't, we don't, we don't know what this is, what is going on, and, you know, it's stress, it's stress. Once we made that decision, and we were dragging it out for years, and so I can completely relate to your, you know, to the situations that you had mentioned, Marla, but the moment that my, mm-hmm. my ex-husband moved out, within three days, those migraines disappeared. Mm. And mm-hmm. so it is interesting how those things in the body are manifesting themselves. And it's the physical response of your body saying, you need to make behavioral changes. The status quo is not working. You have tried to make it work. And now it's no longer serving you. And this is kind of like a bullhorn, like a blast to say you need to change yeah. it. And so when we talk about a physical manifestation of stress or things not going right in the body, Pay attention to that because your body is trying to tell you something and it's the things that your mind has been telling you that you have chosen to ignore. Yeah, I met someone recently. It was a it was a man who had been verbally abused by mm-hmm. his wife for almost thirty years. Yeah. And he stayed mm-hmm. and stayed because of the kids in his hands. He developed yeah. arthritis and they were it was so mm-hmm. bad that it was completely disfigured. There was I don't see yeah. any way that can be resolved at this point because it was so bad and um, so the, bo- right. the body will do. And I even looked up arthritis and it's the stress is one, a, a cause as well. And so mm-hmm. there are some things that can mm-hmm. happen that we can't undo if we keep letting it go. So it will manifest in the body. A lot of women get breast issues uh, with, from yeah. that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention how uh, if you're thinking about making that leap and you know in your heart that it's the best thing to do, um, get that courage to, to do it and save you. Sometimes we got to save ourselves. We've just got to save ourselves. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And the thing is, when people when people are in marriages that they know are just not healthy and they know cannot be reconciled, what we do, and I've, I, I've seen my clients do this, is they say, well, I have to stay for the kids, I have to stay for the kids. And I understand it can yeah. be a very tenuous situation, especially if you were running a household and you were not receiving an income, an outside income, to want to stay for that financial security, that's completely understandable. But something I would offer folks who are dealing with that, that they're saying, I want to stay with the kids, is that the longer you stay in a dysfunctional relationship that is toxic, that is unhealthy, that is not serving anybody, what you are doing, unfortunately, is you are modeling behavior for your children and teaching your children that it is okay to stay in abusive situations. It is okay to stay in situations that no longer serve you. And so if you do yeah. want to stay in for the kids, it's almost like you are actually doing them a disservice. Whereas if mm-hmm. you are able to leave and you be that type of role model for your children, and that is the behavior that is normalized, is choosing yourself, is standing yeah. up for yourself and standing up for your children to leave a dysfunctional relationship and marriage, that is the type of role model situation that is not going to send your kids in therapy. And that's a powerful yeah, because they, thing. They, what a they powerful thing that. to teach they, your children. They, Mhm. Yeah, they witness that uh, the the behavior, and and they're gonna have those patterns, and they're gonna have to have therapy and a coach and all that. Exactly. Well. Exactly. And I like to joke: don't be the reason that your kids have to go to therapy when they're adults. Oh, <laughs> right. But unfortunately, right. you know, it's, it's easier said than done. You know, I just think that recently. Yeah we in our culture are finally getting those tools and having that understanding of, well, this is trauma. This is dysfunctional. These are boundaries. And, you know, these might've been tools and skill sets that our parents didn't have, but we have them. Mm-hmm. So let's not get locked into these, these traps, these cognitive traps that say, I have to stay for the kids or, Oh, people will shame me or anything like that. Because you know what? We liked, we, we are all very self-conscious people. We're always worrying about, because we're, we're, most of us are ingrained, conditioned people pleasers. But let me let you in on a secret here is that, honestly, nobody really cares what anybody else is doing. And so you need to focus right. on yourself and what's good for you and your children and, yeah. and, and go from that and not be not feeling the self-conscious feeling, oh, people are going to see that I'm single. Oh, people are going to wonder what happened to the, to the marriage. You know what? It's mm-hmm. none of their damn business. And so you need right. to choose yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've had people say, oh, I thought you were the perfect couple. I always thought that you're the perfect. People don't know what goes on behind closed mm-hmm. doors. They don't know your relationship. Some people who just know you superficially or know you from out and about or work or, you know, or have seen you, they don't have – like well no why would you how how would you even make that it's interesting because people make a make make conclude come to conclusions about people when we really don't know anything uh it's just like oh we don't know what goes behind closed doors yeah right Mm -hmm. no no absolutely not just because they're out smiling maybe you saw them hug and kiss or hold hands that does not mean that you know they're not you know, tearing each other apart verbally at home or something. So, exactly. Um, and you, exactly. Mentioned, you mentioned that so many of your clients, most of them have come from uh, narcissistic um, partners, uh, narcissistic abuse, and it seems so prevalent these days. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we tend to get into these relationships with men with these traits, which some of the traits are, you know, they, can be, uh, they always have to be right. Uh, high, highly, they're highly critical. 
argumentative. They have to be always be sure. puffed up. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different things, maybe name dropping, having to feel important. Um, some OCD can come along with it. Everything has to be perfect. Uh, but it's like no matter what happens, it's going to be your fault. You're, you're the way you, they, they do everything right. You do everything wrong. So talk a little bit about the damage that that does and um, your experience with it. It seems like most women have come from that uh, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let me just preface this with your audience by the fact that I am not a trained mental health professional. I'm a divorce coach. I'm a dating coach. And so if you do feel like you are being victimized by a narcissistic husband, I would definitely recommend going and consulting a therapist who does have that specialization in helping you cope with or helping you leave a narcissistic relationship. That's my public service announcement for the day. So let's go ahead and put that coaching hat back on. And so something that I do see is a lot of the women that I work with, depending on regardless of where they are in their divorce journey, whether that is they are thinking about getting divorced, whether that is they are in the middle of divorce, they're recovering from it, or they feel ready to move on and want to date again, but are just terrified that they're going to get back into a relationship with with another narcissistic person. What I see is regardless of your economic status or regardless of what your job is, there are so many women who fall into kind of the, uh, the trap of being with a narcissist, and I think there's a couple of reasons why. Many of my clients happen to be highly empathic, highly sensitive women. And they're kind and they're loving and they're giving and they would bend over backwards for their family and the people that they love and the people that they care about. Now, a bit of that is because they have been conditioned to be people pleasers. Most of us women have been conditioned to be people pleasers. And so when you have that kind of um, that kind of combination of wanting to serve others and wanting to please others and deriving self-worth externally from the opinions of others, that, although we're not even aware of it, is actually kind of sending out kind of these, um, it's like it, it, these smoke signals, these invisible smoke signals, because what happens is if you're with somebody who's not a narcissist, who's kind and caring, that highly empathic nature is going to be wonderful. They're going to cherish you and they're going to love you for that highly kind of sensitive and intuitive person you are. Unfortunately, what that highly empathic and highly sensitive kind of behavior does on your part, unfortunately, you may not even know you're doing this, is that it's kind of sending out smoke signals to narcissists because narcissists are almost Mm -hmm. like vampires to people, to women especially, who are highly empathic and who are, who are highly sensitive. Because by default, those types of women are also people pleasers. And so it's this very kind of magnetic thing where narcissists tend to get attracted to that, and not for a good reason. It's because they know, because remember, narcissists are mentally ill, they can abuse that. And they know it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to kind of get their talents into a, a kind and loving person who is a high impact who is highly sensitive. And unfortunately, it is this this very kind of toxic combination. And so a part of the work that I do with my clients is learning to develop those boundaries, is learning to say no. Because if you're a highly empathic person who has unfortunately been in the clutches of a manipulative, abusive narcissist, you don't have boundaries because they have walked all over those. They have made you believe that you can't exist without them and that you can't even step outside without their, their approval. And if you try to do things that are for yourself, they'll ridicule you and gaslight you. And so the big work that I do Mm -hmm. with my clients, as far as the coaching goes, is helping them set those boundaries, 
helping them to set that resiliency yeah. that, oh, well, what happens if this, if my narcissist husband or ex-husband tries to go on those boundaries again and putting up scripts for them that say, I have the right to my privacy. I have the right to defend myself. I have the right to say no. And we do those boundary practices in everyday areas to give them that kind of muscle to help put up that boundary with their narcissist, with their narcissistic spouse. Because the narcissist mm-hmm. feeds off of a lack of boundaries from someone. And the stronger the boundaries you can put up, the easier it is going to be to resist that narcissist abuse. Yeah, and, and the boundaries have to be, as a, a boundary coach, we've got to, I, I t- also teach people that it's the boundaries between you and you. You can't, of course, they're mm-hmm. going to cross your boundaries because it's not their boundaries. So keeping the boundaries, like if, you, if we say, okay, I'm not going to react, that reaction, those, that yeah. reactive abuse is something that I always had problem with. My gosh, it's just poke, mm-hmm. they'd poke you and poke you and poke you till you just go nuts. And and then the, it yeah. makes it look like you're the problem. Like, oh, look, I told you you were crazy. Right. Look, look how you're acting. Yeah, yeah. That, talk a little bit about reactive abuse. Is that? Did you tell me you don't call it that? It's more like trauma of, of reaction. Or, right. Or, and so or do you call it? Yeah. And, and again, yeah. I. Yeah. So again, this is something that I think a, a therapist um, who is specialized in narcissistic disorders could explain better than I can. But yes, your memory serves. I don't necessarily refer to it as reactive abuse, and this is just kind of my view that I have had through working with clients for, for years who are attempting to defend themselves and diffuse their trauma responses after being married to a narcissistic partner. And I don't recall it, I don't recall it reactive abuse because I honestly think that continues to feed into the narcissist abuse of that person. And so mm-hmm. I call it you're acting on a trauma response a trauma response that comes from yeah. the trigger. And it might not right. be the best, most reasoned trauma response, but it is almost kind of like you are acting out of survival. And when you are acting yeah. out of survival, sometimes we don't say the nicest, most well-reasoned things. But it is a survival mechanism, and yeah. that is why we are doing that. There is something in our reptilian brain that is saying, this is how you have to act because you have to defend yourself and you have to protect yourself. I don't see that as reactive abuse at all because I actually okay. think that, that is feeding yeah. into the trauma's narrative that they are somebody who is a victim and they are somebody who is being wronged and abused. That is my opinion as a coach, right. although like a mental mm-hmm. health professional professional actually might, might have a completely different take on it, but I don't see that as abuse mm-hmm. at all. I see that as yeah, you are acting on survival you and on you're doing you. what you can. Yeah, and you feel like you've been put on trial so much of the time that with this kind of personality, um, they'll they'll, um, you know, it's just like you've defend constantly having trying to defend yourself, yeah. but it doesn't work because they'll say, "Don't try to de- don't make excuses." I always used to hear the phrase, "Don't make excuses for yourself," and it's like mm-hmm. well, it's it's like you're just cornered. You're just, there's no you can't get around it. You can't win. You can't have a conversation. Also, cutting off cutting you off in the middle of a sentence where you can't even mm. express mm-hmm. anything or yeah that's a big one that I that I've experienced and hear that I hear a lot is that cut, they don't even want to hear yeah. your point of view yeah so, right right so, and I think that is yeah that that's normal I mean I'm not surprised at that yeah 
Yeah, so if you find yourself in that kind of, you've got to think about, are you able to speak? Are you able to be heard? Are you, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel emotionally safe? Do you, can you have an mm-hmm. intelligent, heartfelt conversation with someone? Are you constantly um, on the defensive? Are you, you know, these are things to think about um, and how a long, much longer you want to go on like that and what it's doing to your body, mind, and spirit. So this podcast, mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to, to give uh, some support to women who are who kind of feel stuck. Um, I've been talking to some women lately who are in this kind of situation, but they're still in the point where, yeah, but I still love him, and do you think he can change? Now, what have you seen with that uh, thinking he can change uh, uh, scenario in your, in your work? Right. Yeah, so... I honestly think that what I have seen from the clients that I've worked with with over the years that a narcissist is not going to change. Usually they're not going to change. Now, obviously there are going to be, you know, there, there might be some kind of outliers that they understand that what they have is a mental condition that needs to be treated and needs to be chronically managed, much like diabetes. But the problem with narcissists is a lot of them, this is kind of the catch 22. They don't think that they have an issue. They don't think that they, mm-hmm. that they even have some kind of like mental disorder and they, because if they did think they had that, then they would you know possibly seek treatment. But what I have seen with my clients, at least in my experience as a coach is that what will happen is those narcissists try to play both, both sides of the game. And so what do we mean by that? We mean that they are trying to be both the victim where their their spouse is the one who's abusing them, their spouse is the one who's wronging them, their spouse is the one who's doing all the terrible things and ruining the marriage. Also, they also want to be seen as a valiant hero at the same time. They want to have it mm-hmm. both ways. And that is yeah. a behavior of a narcissist yeah. that I've, per- I've, I've personally seen with my clients is they're, they're most of the time it's the, the husbands because I, I work with women. And it is that when that woman, when my client learns to stand up for herself, the narcissist says, well, why are you trying to ruin the marriage? Why are you breaking apart mm. the family? Why are you doing this in the form of kind of gaslighting in the way? Also, what they want to do is they want to see themselves as, well, I'm the one who's trying to work on the marriage. I'm the one trying to keep the marriage apart. Of course, they want to be seen as the hero because, remember, narcissists never ever want to be seen as a bad guy. They never want to be seen as the person right. who does anything wrong. And appearances is so important to them. And so they want it both ways, though. They want to be seen as a person who's actually abused, a person who's also actually having a hard time. But they also want to be seen as a good guy. And they want it both ways. And Mm so can narcissists change? I suppose. But I'm going to be honest with you and your audience with my client work and even in my personal experiences with folks who have been in narcissistic relationships, I have never seen a narcissist change because in order to change – Anything, whatever it is in your life, you have to recognize that there's an issue. And narcissists never think there's yeah. an issue with themselves. Right. And and the women who, so here's something, too, that I see. They'll be worried that, okay, so, so I'm going to break up. This isn't working for me. I'm miserable. But, but what if he treats the next woman better and, and gives her everything that I wanted and treats her the way I wanted to be treated? And they start... Um, ruminating over that and driving themselves crazy over mm-hmm. that. Now, I say, who in the hell cares? The thing is, he's not treating you that yeah. way, and <laughs> he's not going to. So what does it matter how we treat somebody else? 
But do you find that too, that that's a concern of women and it makes them want to not leave because they're worried that he'll meet somebody else and treat her better? Right. It's a great question. And what I have seen in my professional experience is that there has, there's already been a divorce. There's already been a separation. And so through the grapevine or through their adult children, my clients will see that their, mm-hmm. their ex-husband is dating somebody already and is treating them really well and they posted it on social media. And so my clients will come to me Mm -hmm. and say, well, why couldn't I have that? Why couldn't, why couldn't I be that person? Why couldn't I be treated with that, with that respect? And so I gently remind them that that is how their narcissistic husband treated them at the beginning to entrap them, to put them into the lair and say, if anything, don't, don't feel bad try to warn the woman, you know, if you know this person's in your orbit, she may not listen to you because she's getting love bombed. She's getting told the story mm-hmm. of how wicked and evil you are and right. how you're the one who ruined the marriage. But understanding that you are not going to get, get treated well again because that narcissist has gotten yeah. what they need out of you. And to don't even right. pay them and any mind that what if, what if he treats them better? He's repeating the pattern of abuse. Yeah. And and I think it's her it's her journey if she needs to learn a lesson through through that um as well, mm-hmm. you know, she'll find out and and um people will say, "Oh, narcissists they're they're going to be miserable." I mean, I always hope that you know, well, if they do meet somebody else, then I hope they're happy because who wants to wish somebody a life of misery mm-hmm. just, you know, it's um so I always it's wish, the, wish yeah. the person well and it's exa- yeah, and and hoping that and and um, just healing ourselves. I've been in I've been in a few narcissistic relationships, and we don't even have to label it. I mean, it's just a toxic personality, whatever. It doesn't because I always used to want to find out. Well, what is it? Is it is is there an issue of bipolar? Is it this? Is it that? If I just had a label, if I just knew what it was, maybe I could have more compassion, and then I would understand mm-hmm. why uh, this person was treating me this way. Like I wanted to have a definite label on it, and and in the end. It doesn't matter. It's just, are they treating you with respect or not? Do you feel like crap or do you feel good with them? Is really right. right. I mean, we, I think as humans, we want to know what exactly is this. So exactly, yeah. yeah. No, it's a good point, and that's something that I'll tell you know my clients, and I'll you know I'll, I'll work with them on is playing detective and playing scientist. To try to, find a, to try to find out a reason why, why, why is not going to give you yeah. any peace. What yeah. happens is you're still going to remain stuck in the divorce story. You're still going to continue mm-hmm. to traumatize yourself and re-traumatize yourself. If you're trying to find out, well, why is he like this? Why is he like that? It's not going to give you any peace. What will give you peace mm-hmm. is your ability to move on. And obviously, I know that's easier said than done. But think about the amount of emotional time and energy you spend trying to diagnose that person, trying to dissect that person. Right. When you could be spending that time working on your own healing and setting that as an example for your children, whether they're at home or whether they're adult children who are still looking at you and who are modeling how you are treating that relationship. And they are either going to see what you're doing. And unfortunately, the longer you continue to beat yourself up or you try to play the detective or things along the lines of that, they're going to see that as, oh, that's what a healthy relationship is. And unfortunately, they might model that behavior onwards, and then you're going to be repeating the cycle. 
yeah. healing and playing and that's what we have to be that careful that they're not they're not together yeah. mm-hmm. right we don't want to repeat that that's the thing we don't want to we want to know what to look for for the next um do, what do you suggest to your clients about dating i mean taking you know six months to heal before you think about it a year or or um what are some things that because i would think that unless we heal but at least with myself i mean over the years i kept going mm-hmm. out with the same guy only in a different pair of pants mm-hmm. he was the same you know yeah. issues and i because i didn't know that i had those issues in myself and i didn't know how to clear them i didn't know anything you know back i started dating this kind of guy when i was you know 21 um and yeah. so what are some of your tips for for not falling into that trap or, you know, directly after. Right. So I think one of the most important things to do is when you are going through a divorce and you are separating, and even then after the end of that, when you're working on, de- on recovering afterwards, is what I like to call like a dating detox, is do not be involved in, in any romantic, any sexual relationships like whatsoever. You need that time mm-hmm. for yourself, and this may have been the only time in your life or at a minimum the only time like in the past couple of years, if not decades, that you have focused on yourself and your healing. And use this yeah. time right now to do that. Use this time to get the therapy you need. Use this time to get the coaching you need. Use this time to get in shape, to get healthy again, to do those things that are solely for you because chances are you have not yeah. done that in years, if not decades. And so as far as putting mm-hmm. a time limit on it, that, okay, if you've been divorced for, for, for six months, you can go out and about. And I don't, I, as a coach, don't necessarily like to give time limits because it is yeah. based on your healing is based on your instinct. Your healing is based on if you think you're going to be okay. Your healing is going to be based on if you feel resilient enough that you're not going to go reeling into self-pity if somebody doesn't call you back. And so, interestingly right. enough, I am actually launching my first ever group coach pro, group coach on this group coaching program on this that's starting in mid September called yeah. Ready for Love, and it is for women mm-hmm. who would like to date again, but who are a little bit scared, who feel a little bit of trepidation because maybe they were in a relationship with somebody who was abusive, and they're not, and they yeah. don't want to fall into that pattern of just date, dating the same type of guy. Because we're going to do that. If you don't get that work done on yourself and you don't get that help, you will repeat those patterns. And so Ready for Love Coaching, what that does is it teaches you to recognize what are those secret self-sabotaging behaviors that will cause you to go back to the safe time of man who does not serve you. What are the things that you actually need to look for in a good man? And then finally, what we do is we put up a framework. This is all called the dating DNA framework to show you actually where to go and meet great men who are emotionally secure, who are emotionally stable, who are going to treat you with the love and respect that you deserve. No online dating required. And so what I would say is it's not about a time limit. It's about doing the work on yourself to recognize what are those behaviors that maybe yeah. on your part that you might have been contributing to that and how do you stop those behaviors? That can be very hard to do by yourself, which is why I think the group coaching yeah. component of it, being in a wonderful group with a certified coach can really get you those results and find that love that you desire instead of going back into these relationships that no longer serve you. And how uh, many weeks is that going to be, Martha? 
So it is actually a three-month course. So what is that? It's about 12 weeks. And so we start mid-September, mm-hmm. so September 14th, and then mm-hmm. we go through the beginning of December. It is a small group mm-hmm. cohort of incredible women. There isn't going to be any more than 10 women. I'm capping that. We're already mm-hmm. 50% sold out. And so if women okay. are interested in joining that, we can, you know, happy to share that, happy to share that information. If women feel like they have done the work, and they would like to date again, mm-hmm. but they're terrified because maybe they haven't dated in years and decades, or they may not trust themselves right now to find that love themselves, yeah. or they may not, they may not trust themselves to, to not have that resilience. And they know that they're afraid of rejection. We get you resilient. We get you resilient to that rejection in that group coaching program. So if that's something that women would yeah. like to have a little bit more support on before they work with you as a matchmaker to go find love, mm-hmm. definitely check that out. Yeah, and her and Martha's uh, website is linked up back at the show notes, but uh, why don't you just tell people what it is and your, your, um, and your Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can all follow me daily updates several times a day at my Instagram handle, which is just at Martha Bodyfelt. So that's just M-A-R-T-H-A-B-O-D-Y-F-E-L-T. It is all one word. It is the most phonetic name in the world. You can check me out there. You can actually join my free private Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. We do a lot of free training. There's a lot of great advice. And you can find that at Empowered Dating for Women. Over at Facebook, just ask to join and we'll let you in on the party. And if you are maybe thinking about joining us in a group coaching program where you get plenty of support as well as plenty of one-on-one private coaching with me as a dating coach, I would invite you to take a look at the website, MarthaBodyFelt.com forward slash ready for love. There's a hyphen between each one. So ready hyphen for hyphen love. We'd love to see you over there. Awesome, Martha. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and, and giving the tips. you around this important topic and you guys follow Martha and follow me at the mystical matchmaker on Instagram. I'm doing morning, um, every morning I'm doing a, a reel with some tips on, on loving yourself, love on breakups, all of that good stuff. So we look forward to seeing you over there and um, Martha, thanks again and much love everybody. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. For more inspiration and to stay connected, find me on Instagram at The Mystical Matchmaker or my website, marlamartinson.com. Much, much love and hope you have a mystical, magical day.